Thank you, Naaman. <laughs> good morning to all of you. Good to be here with you this morning. It's always good when I stand up here to see that you're just friendly people out there. I don't do this enough to get really, really comfortable, I think. <clears throat> There's another little discussion I always have with myself when I'm preparing for a sermon or a Sunday school or things like that. And I think, well, you know, do I really have something to share? And then my better self, the part that I hope God is speaking to, says, well, this is my message. You, you should just give it. And then I say to myself, but what if I get it wrong? There's part of me that's human and very much part of me that's human. And what if I didn't hear it right? What if I didn't invest enough time? And um, I know that God's word, God is, he was there. I mean, he wrote this. He gave it to us. So it's my concern is how I handle it and how I deliver it. So I'm sure those are things that anyone that speaks um, thinks about. This morning I'd like to talk about heaven. And uh, that's beyond my pay grade for sure. But I do want to talk about it because I want to go there and I want to encourage us in the fact that heaven is here with us now. As we, as we get a little older and feel a few more aches and pains and bury a few more people that we care about, and see the trouble in the world around us between people and nations, we as Christians often turn to thoughts of heaven and how welcome going home will be. And rightly so. The blessed rest for the saints of God is a theme that the weary and suffering have clung to through all the ages in trouble of all kinds. The world will get fixed. Rest will come. Death and sickness will be forgotten. Wrongs will be righted and beauty restored. Creation itself will stop its groaning and welcome a new touch by the Creator. So it's okay to long for heaven, and we'll spend some time talking about that a little later. But today I want us to think first about the reality of heaven with us now. We can be in touch with heaven. And my aim is to encourage us to feel God's heavenly purpose for us here on earth until he calls us to our long home in his presence. Old Testament prophets and saints looked forward to the kingdom of God. That term kingdom of God is used interchangeably with kingdom of heaven in the New Testament. There was plenty going wrong in the world, in the Jews' world especially, from the Egyptians to the Babylonians to the Romans. The Jews had been in subjection for a lot of their history. The idea of a time of blessedness when evil would be overcome and their God would be in charge appealed to them. So John the Baptist surprised his audience when he told them, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. They hadn't noticed. 
when he said that and then indicated that Jesus would be that the bringer of the kingdom of heaven, they were quite surprised. A carpenter's son from lowly Nazareth. But Jesus reinforced what John had said when he told them, or when he told John, after John had put in prison, it tells us in Mark chapter 1, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And he sent word back to John who was perplexed in prison wondering if he really was the Messiah. He told John that he was the one. He was the, the bringer of this time of blessedness. But the kingdom of heaven... Uh, they were look, the Jews were looking for someone to overthrow the Romans, to set up a kingdom, to right all the wrongs in a big way, in a visible way for them. So the good news of the kingdom is that heaven is available for us now. That's what it took a while in Jesus' years of teaching and the training he gave those disciples like we learned about in uh, our Sunday school this morning. It took a while, but there were big things going on beyond the, the visible. How can we participate in the kingdom of God and what does it mean for us right here and now? The Jews were disappointed when Jesus never spoke against Rome or tried to lead a mob. Jesus embodied the kingdom of heaven in a quiet and powerful way. By And we, we heard about this some in our Sunday school lesson when Jesus confronted demons and cast them out. He defeated the evil one. Jesus told his disciples, the 70, when they came back and really pleased. Uh, that was in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Let me just read that. The 70 had been sent out. This was later. And they had had a very successful mission trip. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The display of power that we see happening, especially though in those early years, during Christ's ministry and during the early church, I believe that was the establishment of the kingdom of God here on earth. And he confronted the evil one and he was cast out of heaven from his place. Uh, Jesus' kingdom began to dominate but in a mysterious and quiet way that wasn't expected by many people. Jesus embodied the kingdom of heaven. We could say that Jesus brought heaven to earth. And that's the thought I want us to, to be thinking about as we go forward here. Jesus brought heaven to earth. <clears throat> Believing in and serving Jesus brings heaven which is God's kingdom, to the little kingdoms of our lives. Each of us walk in a little circle, don't we? We have a little sphere of influence, ourselves first of all, our families maybe, or a little wider circle, our community. 
God wants his kingdom power to be shown and displayed and modeled in that little sphere that we walk in. So his great kingdom is starting in a mysterious and small way inside your heart and in the choices you make as you work that out and flesh that out. So here are a few ways that I think we can have a foretaste of heaven in our lives right here, right now. And our example is Jesus. As we look at Christ's life, the life He lived here on earth, it was a heaven-filled life, and He taught us so much about how we should live in the kingdom. For starters, Jesus taught us to pray this way. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Let's say that together. This is one of the most prayed prayers according to the internet. Uh, The Paternoster, the Padre Nuestro, the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray it together. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you see the heaven there? Jesus said, pray this way. And heaven is all through it. I see us asking for God's kingdom, inviting it, and in God's strength, making our world a little more heavenly in this this prayer. For starters, in the first verse, we recognize God as our Father and we as His children. We see Him in His position of holiness and His position as, as supreme when we pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. Holy is Your name. So we pray this prayer, we recognize our Heavenly Father for who He is. And then the second phrase there, Thy kingdom come. We are asking, we're inviting heaven's kingdom to earth to show how God's will should work out here. Are we willing to submit to what He asks of us? That's a good test of faith. Is His way best? Of course. Thy kingdom come. We would like for things to be here in our little circle the way they are in heaven. We would like to be that uh, rendido. We'd like to be that submitted to, to you, to God, given in to His plans for us. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, just like it is in heaven. Then we ask God to provide for our physical needs, the nuts and bolts of living here. God cares about your bills. He cares about your drought or flood, your health, your ailing car or your sick pets even. God cares. And He is 
very open to hear about our needs and the problems we face in this world. And that interface with the heavenly is where heaven comes to earth and meets our needs. We should look at our physical surroundings and the struggles and problems we have in our daily lives and think of heavenly solutions. That's bringing heaven down. God wants to be involved here. Just for today, enough for the present. Give us this day. We're not asking for next week yet, but today we'd like grace to get through this sermon or to serve lunch or to go home and deal with your family this afternoon or whatever. Rest up for the week that's coming. Give us this day our daily bread. Enough for the present. Number three, our spiritual need is dealt with by heaven's forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Pray this way, Jesus said. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Our spiritual need is dealt with by heaven's forgiveness personally. Our human relationships are restored by forgiveness among ourselves in God's strength. Human relationships can be restored by forgiveness. See that heavenly connection? See the connection between God forgiving us and us forgiving others? God watches our human relationships. He cares about those. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then we ask God for His help to live righteously here. We can't do life well without God. We need... Him to not lead us into temptation, to strengthen us, deliver us from evil, help us to be that, not just a heart-changed Christian, but a life-changed Christian. Not just a saved person who will slip in the gates, but someone who is redeemed and God is working on and sanctifying in an ongoing way. God wants us to, He wants to deliver us from evil. And then we acknowledge again, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Basic needs, human needs are covered here. Spiritual life, all relationships, physical, life, physical needs, and how we live. All can be affected by heavenly influence. So heaven comes down and glory can fill our souls, right? <clears throat> okay. Next point is that Jesus taught that the presence of the God of heaven is here with us. So he taught us how to pray, to ask and invite it. But he also taught us that the presence of the God of heaven is here with us. And there's many verses at the end of, of Jesus' life Almost at the very end, we see it in John 13, when at the Last Supper, they're, they're eating there together, and, and um, Jesus is telling them some pretty plain things that someone was going to betray him. John wonders who it, or Peter tells him to ask who it was. John asks, and, and he said, who I give the sop to. Jesus gives the sop to Judas. Judas goes out. 
And if I would have been Jesus, knowing what was to come, I would have been a very sober man, I'm sure. But Jesus does not focus on this sequence of events that is just starting to unfold. Uh, Jesus knew very well what would take place over the next several days, I believe. Judas leaving to betray him starts that, that chain of events where they go meet to, in, the, in the garden that he would be betrayed there. So Jesus doesn't dwell on that. He instead spends the next four chapters in this uh, discourse giving his disciples some of the most reassuring teaching of heaven's involvement in their lives. It would prepare them for some very hard days ahead. <clears throat> and I suppose the words of Jesus came back to them numerous times as they were going through that hard time and certainly later when they uh, faced many, many things. So I'd like to look in John 14 then. John 14 first and John 17 a little later thinking about a few things, a few heavenly provisions that God has for people in trouble, people still here on this earth, people who need Jesus. I'll read verses, quite a lengthy passage there, but I'll read verses 13 through 27 of John 14. Remember Jesus knowing what's transpiring, his disciples somewhat oblivious, but knowing this, the, the, the tension, knowing the seriousness of the moment, listening carefully, Jesus said, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, may, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remem remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I'll stop there, though Jesus' words to them flow on. Just wanted to pull a few things out here that 
are heavenly, heavenly provisions that God gives his disciples and us to live life in this world. First one I wanted to point out was in verses 16 through 18 when he promises the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. That's a very heavenly provision. That's the presence of God with us. The Spirit, Jesus said it was necessary that he go away so the Spirit, the Comforter could come. The Comforter who wanted to dwell with every believer in every part of this world. Jesus, with his earthly body, had limited himself to one spot. We know that Jesus, through his Spirit, can be anywhere. And he is here with us this morning. So the Spirit was a blessing from heaven itself that God gives his people gave his disciples then and gives them to us gives him to us now <clears throat> the second thing i'd like to notice was that interconnection with the father a connectedness with john with jesus and his father in verses 19 and 20 because i live ye shall live also in the day that you'll know that i am in my father and ye in me, and I in you. There's a blending of, of life giving from God to us through Jesus that all comes together in this relationship. I and my Father, ye in me, and I in you. And that's in the world we live in, having that connection is so important. It's 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 life giving. It's life filling, it's life changing. His presence with us is with us in trouble or whatever this life brings. Then verse 27, though there's more we could talk about. Verse 27, that heavenly peace I wanted to notice, and that's important for us in a troubled world. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. It's not the kind of peace that's temporary and transient like the world may offer occasionally, but it's a lasting peace that I can give you that keeps your heart from being troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I give you my peace. Peace from heaven. Another little taste of heaven come down that can fill our souls in a troubled world. Okay, now we want to move on. We learned about the Lord's Prayer and how we ask heaven to come down. Jesus taught that the presence of God is with us, that heaven can live inside of us. We can have His peace, be connected with the Father. Jesus also taught us that heaven has a purpose for us to be here. Have you ever, in moments of weakness or after a failure, wished that God would have just whisked you off to heaven the minute He got you good and saved? I've known feelings like that. God has a reason not to do that. He has work for us to do. Let's go to John 17 now to pull a few of those thoughts out. 
This is actually the high priestly prayer. So Jesus was talking to his disciples through these, through these chapters. Here is the, the prayer that Jesus prays to his father, especially about his disciples. These, these 11 men gathered in that room. I'll read, let's see, maybe for sake of time, I'll just pull these verses out and read several of them. Okay, so our purpose here in this world, have you thought about it? Have you thought about your, the reason God has you here? Um, I do sometimes, especially as I get a little older, because I wonder, you know, am I getting it done? Um, we get more introspective if we're wise, I think, because we have less time to fix things, don't we? <clears throat> In verses 1 to 3, let's, let's read those three verses. John 17, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom, they, whom thou hast sent. So the ones that God gave Jesus, who are they? Those who will be saved. Those who put their trust in Jesus. So eternal life is a gift from heaven through Jesus to us. And our job is to spread that word. So that's a purpose that we have. That's a purpose that these 11 men had, the early church had, all and saints all the way through history have had, is to spread that good news that eternal life is only available through Jesus. So we preach and we teach and we live this life. And this is the gospel message. Jesus is the way, the way of eternal life. So that's one reason we're here, to propagate the kingdom, to spread that good news. Uh, in verse 13, there's joy available for Christians. Let's read verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This world is a joyless place for many people. Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shallow happiness. There's a lot of bubble out there, but there's not a lot of joy. So if heaven is living inside of us and we have this eternal life connection with God through Jesus and the Spirit is living inside of us, this joy that Jesus can give us should be showing to those around us. We should bring that joy to the little circle that we have some influence on. I know that can be a challenge and sometimes the closer to home, the harder it is to show that joy. But that's God's task for us, if heaven is inside of us, it should show on the outside. Joy is unusual in this world, but Christians with heaven in their hearts should show heaven on their faces. 
verses 15 through 18, and I'll read those yet. 15 to 18, John 17. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. Remember the whisking away? Jesus wasn't asking that God do that for his disciples. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Don't take them out right away. There's a task for them to do. Sanctify them. Keep them from the evil. Help them find a way through sanctification to righteousness. I want other people to see that. I want the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to show out of their lives. I want to do that in spite of the world around them, the evil around them. This is possible in the kingdom of heaven. This mysterious kingdom with God's power inside a sinner turned to a saint. He can show good things to the world around us and live out a righteous life. And then, and this is very important, verses 20 to 23. I'd like for us to think about this unification of believers. Unifying his believers was Jesus' purpose. Verses 20 to 23 there, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Through their word, notice that's through the witness of these sanctified ones in the verses before. For others that have believed because of these people telling them that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I think the unifying of believers, a pulling together of a body is God's work. It's a heavenly thing. Uh, Jesus talked about his knowledge of the Father when he talked about their unity. And I think that's a, a key for us in our local body is to be unified. We need to know each other. We need to cultivate that uh, knowledge of what makes us tick, what uh, what we what we have in common, even what we don't have in common, what uh, Simon the Zealot uh, you know, had at odds with, with Matthew the tax collector. They became one as they moved towards Jesus. So I think heaven wants us to be one. There's qualification needed for that. I know, I know that. But I was blessed yesterday and uh, some of you sisters were there and Derek as well at a little meeting that we had up at a Baptist church in Lynchburg with uh, some of the volunteers for the Amherst jail and I was blessed. I was obviously thinking about this sermon and I was thinking about believers of all different kinds who are believers, who believe in Jesus. And we had some moments of encouragement, some moments of expressing our common purpose. 
And I just felt blessed to be there with that diverse group of men. Don't get me wrong. You're my people. And this is my church. But there's a bigger, a bigger circle. The kingdom of God encompasses all believers. And I feel one with them as we serve God together and as we unite over, these pur- over the purpose of calling and teaching and uh, showing Jesus to the world. Now when we get to heaven, everybody that's in is safe, right? So that'll be helpful. Uh, here we need to be discerning. But I do feel like we need to be blessed. We should be able to feel that blessing of kinship with fellow believers that we come in contact with. Okay, I'm going to move on here. Now, this could have been a second sermon, uh, but it certainly will uh, take us up to announcements time. uh, to qualify what I said about Jesus saying he didn't want them taken out of the world in John 17, I'm sorry, back in John, no, it is John 14, John 17, sorry, get this right straight. Uh, He said, I've given that I didn't want them taken out of the world, but keep them from the evil. There's work for them to do. But then in verses 24 to 26, Jesus tells his father, Father, I will that they also, which thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I'd like them home with me, At the right time, I want them with me that they can see my glory that you have given me. So heaven is an expectation. There's the kingdom's fullness yet to come that we anticipate. There's more in store. And just so you know, you know, there was a lot going on in our Sunday school lesson today when the demons were being cast out, the 12 were being chosen, you know, that was, that was what they saw on the surface was just a fraction of what was really going on. Have you looked in Daniel 2.44 lately? Turn back to that. There's a verse about the kingdom there that says, it's talking about prophecies, talking about the time of different kingdoms up to the Romans. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. That's the kingdom of God that starts in such innocent and small ways inside of your heart. God has a bigger thing going on, doesn't he? So when we think about heaven, when we think about going to heaven, we have prophecies to deal with, but it's a, it's a struggle to get a clear picture of exactly what it will be. But it's going to be, it's going to be good. 
What will heaven be like? We can do more than imagine. There's many promises. Let's look at a few. John 14, let's go back and read those verses. We're close. The first four verses. And notice Jesus gave them these verses before he did some of the others that I read through. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There was, there is something big coming. There is a place, a real place prepared. Jesus said, I'm going. When I leave here, I'm going to my father's house. I go to prepare a place for you. I remember Big John, Naaman's dad, telling me the German Bible says, I'm making a way for you to get there. He's preparing the way. He's preparing a place for us to belong. We're blessed in families to have a place, to have a feeling of belonging. That's something we struggle with as humans, especially those that don't have close families or don't have connections like that. Belonging is a human need. Jesus can meet that need, and this can be a good place for us in the presence of Jesus and His Father. Where He is, there we can be also in the very presence of God in a prepared place. Psalms 23 says, remember last Sunday night we heard it in several languages. Psalms 23 says that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's house of dwelling place forever. That's belonging. So Jesus says, settle your hearts. Don't be troubled. There's a place that you can go to. It'll be okay. I'll come back for you. I'm the way there. And then and we're running out of time, but revelations. And there's many other scriptures we haven't really touched this topic. Probably haven't said nearly enough about the kingdom life here, but I can't stop talking about heaven till we look at Revelations 21. 21 and 22, and I thought about reading all of those verses, but I probably shouldn't. A few verses that I'll point out. It's a new heaven, a new earth. The old was passed away. The holy city came down, verse 2, from, to, for coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride. And then this voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be His people and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Remember this foretaste of that heavenly connection that we have? That presence of the Spirit and God and Jesus in our lives? This is the culmination of that. This is the fullness of that. 
This is the physical presence of God with us on this earth, this new earth that, that God makes. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. And you should read it again. Talks about the walls. Talks about the city. Talks about in chapter 22. Talks about the river, the water of life. Talks about what will be there and what won't be there. Do you know, children, there's no candles in heaven. I guess no birthdays anymore. No candles there. The Lord God will be the light. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. It won't be long. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. There's Heaven is available. The kingdom of God is available to us here and now and then. So God bless you as you walk in that way and may we all have further discourse there together.